And good morning, afternoon, or night, whenever you choose to listen to this. We are back, Bostopian News, with Evan George. I have missed you all, and let me just stay at the top that if my voice sounds a little different, it is because I was at Game 7 for the Celtics yesterday, and my voice is not yet recovered. But I wanted to do this episode as soon as I could, which might sound a little odd because I'm going to be discussing an election which took place basically two weeks ago. But the reason I needed to wait on this is the Boston Election Department has 10 days to actually certify the results. And I wanted to look at, and I just wanted to have all the concrete data of who actually got the votes and what precincts and what wards and what can we learn from it. And so I actually called the Elections Department today, and they were nice enough to email me these results. They said they just finished finalizing, so maybe they'll put them up on their websites in a few days. And so let's get into it. Let's talk about what happened that night, any lessons learned, and what can we expect or look to under a Gabriella Gigi Coletta District 1 representation. And zooming out to start, this election unfolded the way that, to be honest, a lot of people kind of expected. Once Lydia announced that she was running for the special election seat for the state Senate and she won, Tanya was the first to jump in. And then the moment Gigi, who I'm just going to go with Gigi from here on out, declared that she would also be running, she became the overwhelming favorite. And I believe Gigi was originally on Tanya's kitchen cabinet, which is kind of like the crew that you first start building really before your actual campaign operations were going. So I believe, I'm going to keep saying the word believe, Gigi was a part of that and then decided, hey, you know what, I could actually probably win this race myself, which I'm sure caused a little friction and drama between their overlapping circles. But again, she was instantly the favorite because of working for Lydia Edwards and having Lydia in her corner. Lydia Edwards has been a representative in that area since 2017. Well, at least that's when the election was. She has all the networks. She has the Rolodex. And of course, as a state senator, a lot of people want to do Lydia a favor. So why not support her protege? Looking at the financial side of things, Gigi spent, I'm just going to go with spent, about $117,000, which in a special election is crazy. And that that period ends on April 30th, so that doesn't have the the final, you know, few-day blitz, but $117,000. Comparing that to Tanya, Tanya spent $51,000. So $117,000 spent versus $51,000. And it's still $51,000. That's a lot. And I think there is definitely a diminishing rate of returns, especially in an election like this where the voter participation was so dismally low, which everyone knew was going to happen. So, I mean, you can print all the mail as you want. No one's showing up to vote. However, you're going to want to have that, you know, close to two and a half times more money actually spent. Generally speaking, that's going to do it. And of course, Gigi through Lydia was able to roll in a lot of the endorsement clout. So people who didn't know Tanya or didn't know Gigi did what most people do. You look to the politicians you do like and you say, who are they supporting? And through Lydia's network, Ricardo Arroyo endorsed Gigi, Adrian Madraro, K. 
Mackenzie Bach, Lucy Lujan, Ed Flynn, and then about three or four different past District 1 Boston City Councilors. So all those people have their own networks. They can all generate their own votes, especially the ones that used to represent that district. It's basically going to be a lock if voter turnout ends up being as low as it is because you're not going to be able to convince people who don't even know there's an election that you're the better choice. And maybe I'll repeat this a couple times, but again, on paper, policy-wise, there really wasn't a difference between them and probably an arrogant statement. But if I read two different politicians' candidate page and I read your policies and I can't really distinguish a difference between you, there is no way that any voter would, even an active voter. And so it wasn't really the case of a progressive versus a Trump Republican or whatever. And up to this point, I've been describing this race as two people. But there was a third, a writing candidate, George Mendoza, who went viral during like that tirade when they were outside of a press announcement and they were not allowed in during a press announcement, which again, that is not a public forum. I cannot demand that I get to stand next to Michelle Wu every time she talks to the press. And this was actually really the first time that I'm going to say we saw a candidate from the Boston First Responders United group because they were intertwined with the restaurant owners who were livid over the $7,500 fee. And I think the Wu administration made a mistake in how they rolled that out. And of course, he's now suing the city because of this. And they were able to put together a write-in campaign when I was knocking doors for Tanya, which I guess, I mean, I am assuming if you're listening to this, then you know that I ultimately supported Tanya. Maybe we'll get to uh, why towards the end. While I was knocking doors for the get out the vote for Tanya, I saw the Mendoza people outside of the polls. And it was, I recognized a couple of them and they were the people who were protesting outside of Mayor Wu's house. And he ended up getting 10% of that vote, which, you know, for a writing campaign, not bad. And I actually think it could have hurt Tanya a little bit that that happened. Because while I was knocking doors um, a few weeks earlier, I spoke to one woman who I would describe as conservative. We had a very, very long, great conversation, who basically said that she is only voting for Tanya because she hates Lydia. And so she was not going to support Lydia's choice being Gigi. And so I think a lot of the F Lydia vote, if you want to call it that, would have went to Tanya over Gigi. But instead, you had the choice of voting for Mendoza, which became the F Michelle Wu vote. And that was enough to get, he got 482 votes off that. And he is the owner of Monica's, who I have to imagine is the same Monica's that had a $7,500 cocktail on their menu called, I think, the Mayor Wu or something, as a way of mocking her for the $7,500 fine, which I actually thought was, I mean, it was kind of funny. So points for that. But all right, let's now look at the numbers. Let's see who voted where, and is there anything to learn from it? So Gigi won, of course, with 2,800 votes. Tanya, 1,613. And Mendoza, as mentioned before, 482. And then another 28 people showed up to write in a different candidate. Now, this is, again, of course, District 1. So it is all of East Boston, all of Charlestown, and then the North End, those areas of Ward 3. And East Boston had the most votes, is, I guess, a simple way of phrasing it. So 2,261 ballots were cast in East Boston. 
This is out of a total of 4,929, so a little less than 50%. Charlestown made up 1,725, and the North End, 943, which as a percentage, 9.6% of registered voters in East Boston came out to vote, 11.2% in Charlestown, and 10% in the North End. That's it. Adding those together, 10.2%. So just about 9 out of every 10 registered voters stayed home, didn't even come out to vote. And this is, of course, what we all knew was going to happen. We have a dismally low voter participation anyway. You do a special election in May, and what do you think is going to happen? And now, again, to look at the different areas by percentage, GG got 54% of the votes cast for East Boston, Tanya 41. Charlestown, GG got 63 versus Tanya's 30. Mendoza is in 4% for East Boston, 5.6% for Charlestown. And then in the North End, no big surprise, but Mendoza beat Tanya, which is why, again, you could maybe look at that and say, if Mendoza didn't run, would those people just have stayed home probably, or would they have voted against Lydia by supporting Tanya? But for the North End, GG got 51.8%. To Mendoza's 31%, and then Tanya got crushed there and got 16% of the vote. But again, the margins, even if every single person who showed up for Mendoza ended up supporting Tanya, she still was 800 votes shy, 700 votes shy. So I was certainly expecting Gigi to win. I think a lot of people were because of the big reasons I named it the beginning, I was hoping Tanya would be able to eat into that percentage more, you know, ended up getting about 33% of the total vote in what was originally considered to be a heads up match. Obviously, you can't completely remove Mendoza's 10%. But in terms of participation, I mean, I gave the larger numbers coming in at 10. There was some precincts, Ward 1, Precinct 10 in East Boston, 5% of people came out. That was the lowest, the highest being 15.7 in Precinct 6 for Charlestown. So 5%, and we'll just call it 16%, was the range by Precinct. That is horrible. And there's basically nothing we can do right now from a structural standpoint. Maybe ideally, it's every year, the same day, if you want to do it like Thanksgiving, like the first Tuesday of November, you know, it moves by where that falls. That is when you have all your elections and you just don't have special elections. It, it, everyone just in your heads, first Tuesday in November, there will be an election, municipal, state, national, but that is the voting day. And if you have an absence in between that, we have the systems in place of who takes over, right? Like this is a 13-member body. You have four at-large candidates. This is why I gave Lydia flack for holding on to both roles simultaneously, which she did for the paycheck, let's just be honest, is, I mean, you really don't need it. And incumbency is such a protection racket that you can slip in in a special election and then solidify your voting base, and now you're locked in for years, if not decades. So I would advocate getting rid of this whole dumb structure of special elections. That might be the only solution. And then we'll work on some of the larger factors of why our voting participation, even in Hutley contested mayoral elections, is still, I think, under 30% for that last one. I was curious, looking back on the last 
my old race between Wu and Anissa, if there was anything to learn, you know, about wards one, two, or three. But Wu won all of them. Charlestown was the closest. But because Ward 3, again, which encompasses the North End, doesn't just encompass the North End, it does for District 1. But if you actually just look at the precincts that, again, were part of the District 1 that are in Ward 3, Michelle still ended up beating Anissa. But in the North End, I mean, Precinct 1 in the North End, Michelle won by 13 votes. Precinct 2 in the North End, Michelle won by about 86 votes. Precinct 3... She won by about 70 votes. So it still took her. I think that just, again, shows how dominant that election was, that even in the conservative areas, Michelle still pulled it off. And, you know, thoughts I have, especially about Mendoza, is I do not think this is the last we're going to see of a candidate from that Boston First Responders United group. I think Aaron Murphy is already basically... Like their candidate, Frank Baker, is is going to be their candidate. I think there's going to be someone will be running for at-large in 2023 that is 100% solidified with that group and what the anti-vax movement represents, what that radical right wing represents. And I fully expect someone to run against Tanya because, again, this was a special election in May. Barely anyone even knew what happened. So she has about one year less than that probably before someone announces running against her. Maybe it'll be Mendoza. Maybe it'll be someone who isn't just a right-wing nut job, which appears to be the only things I've heard of him. He fits in that category. But she will be challenged. And I don't think she'll be challenged from the left. Again, on paper, their policies were very close. I ended up supporting Tanya because organizers in East Boston, even though they're friends with both, said that... Tanya is a lot more in line with the type of movement organizing that I do that I think is important would have been a lot closer to Kendra than Gigi may have been again in terms of how do you view the role of the office are you there like an Elizabeth Warren type call it maybe a Kenzie Bach type just to be the person in the room through you know smart tinkering and good policies to come to reasonable solutions, or are you going to use the power of the office as a way of building movements, as a way of building organization and grassroots power? And that was 100% felt at, it's hard to call it, I mean, you can't call it a victory party, but at Tanya's after party, which I was there, you know, she talked about bringing people together, bringing people from the apolitical to the political. And um, I was sitting at the bar before going into the room uh, there was a young couple sitting next to me and some other people. They were just you know, overhearing our conversation about the elections. We go into the main room uh, to hear the speeches, and they like kind of like slowly follow behind us because they wanted to know. And I, you know, I saw them like hanging out by the door, and I'm just like, I was like, come in, come in. And, she, and you know, they were like, oh, like we've never like been in any sort of political environment. This is incredible. And you know, people are crying. They're sharing stories, and so you know, for that reason. It's just it's very important to get candidates like that, to get people to be willing to run, even though that was such a massive, insurmountable hill they had to climb. There was no way the moment Gigi entered, to be honest, and just kind of solidified all the establishment base, solidified all the money that there's no difference of field or tactics or messaging that Tanya would have been able to do. But we need more people to bring the apolitical to the political because all of that energy is on the right, all of it. People who have never got involved in politics before are flooding into it, and they're flooding into it from the right. And so last thoughts, 
again, I recommend go back, listen to the interview I did with Gigi. That was, I believe, my first time meeting her. I found her to be very smart, very personable. All of the policies that she listed out are things that I support. And, you know, the real big test, and this was shared to me by a couple people who were a little bit more up the food chain from me, we'll call it, is that they're just worried that Gigi will be too much indebted to Lydia to really kind of do her own thing. And that is not really a knock on Gigi. That is just the structural element of if you work for a politician, that politician leaves, that politician then basically holds the door for you for you to enter. Well, then who do you owe that election to? You know, and I mean, ideologically, would there be friction between the two? I doubt it. Do I think it's a good thing that Lydia is still maintaining a strong hold on that seat? Absolutely not. Lydia sided with conservatives during some of the most contentious votes over the last few years. She was a champion of the Suffolk Downs development. And, you know, Gigi, she was on that staff, so she deserves that criticism too. But we're not going to get her in trouble for things she hasn't done yet. Genuinely wish her luck. I'm sure I will see her again. I am looking forward to seeing how she'll be voting on things that are coming up. I don't really expect the budget, to be honest, to be a big fight. I don't expect any of them to actually get together to edit Michelle's budget. All that talk was BS about needing to have this power and then letting the city council use it. I mean, I still supported it. I still think it's a good thing. But Michelle's to the left of maybe all but two or three of them. If so, if anything, they would end up using that power a year from now to make it to the right to add more money for cops. There's a lot more votes to add more money to police and less to social services on that city council than there are to flip it the other way. Let's just put it that way. But I'll sure I'll talk about that more in the future. But again, genuinely, I wish Gigi nothing but luck. Again, go back and listen to that episode. Also want to thank Tanya for running for bringing people from the apolitical to the political. And I'm sure this is not the last time we will see her. And yeah, with that, that's my only thoughts left on this. I still owe three more episodes going into the histories of District Representative 7, 8, and 9. So I will hopefully have that done in like before the budget, just so again, we just have a little bit more contextual knowledge of these people. And I'm sure I'll do an episode on the budget. And I'm thinking about some interviews I want to do. But yeah, I'm always here. Of course, like five stars, do the things. I do still have my Venmo in the link tree, though. Uh, people were a lot more financially supportive when I was doing a lot more episodes. So I don't blame any of you for not Venmoing me a couple bucks. But of course, check me out on TikTok. I'm also on Instagram. You can get your daily news coverage then. And yeah, with that, take care. Hope you're all doing well. And of course, enjoy the rest of your day.